With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger and Justin Lape. So, so trade deadline day is always probably my favorite day of, of the year in the NHL. Um, that and draft day, I think those are those are the two like big days for, for transactions. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, July 1. It's like a crazy time in, in, in the league, and I just love sitting back and watching all of it. Oh, yeah. It's, it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fireworks this year. And and oh, some yeah. big names moved for sure. And I mean, sometimes we get the hype behind it, but it doesn't come through. But this year, I think it w- it was it was a lot of fireworks. And I think it was it was very interesting to the point that uh, all those trades came through after three o'clock. You know, because the log jam at what is it, the Central Registry? Yeah. Um, and just that they kept, you know, winging them out there. It was like wow. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All in all, a a, a big. Trade deadline day for sure. Oh, and by the way, uh, this is the Canes Country Podcast. Uh, my name's Brett Finger. Uh, Justin Lape, of course, is here. It's it's the uh, the dream team um, back on the mics talking about uh, the trade deadline. So you you kind of uh, you hinted towards you know how active the trade deadline was around the league, but in Raleigh, uh, not so much. Not, uh, not not nearly as much. Not so much. No, not so much. There were, uh, th- th- let's be fair, though. Let's be fair. Last year, uh, there was two trade, or there was one trade. It was Jurish for McKeg. This year, there's two. Cliff Pooh to Florida for future considerations, and Thomas Yurko from Florida to Carolina for future considerations. Which is basically, it was basically one trade, but Thomas Yurko is on an AHL deal, and Cliff Pooh is on an NHL deal, so yeah, two trades. That's exciting. Yeah, um, it doesn't seem like to me that often. You see it in the NHL that there's it's a future considerations trade. You see it a lot. It seems like in the MLB and NBA. But do you do you? I mean, am I wrong in my assessment there that there's not that often a future considerations? It's it's normally like a pick or a conditional pick or something. Yeah. Uh, I know the NBA happens all the time. It, it, you know, I think it's the same in the NHL as it is in other leagues. It's just we have a player that is pretty much worthless, but this other team needs this player or wants this player for whatever reason, and it's pretty much just, hey, here you go. Let's forget about it. Um, you can have them. And it's just that's it. And there, very rarely are there any considerations uh, having – you know, to do with that player. It's pretty much just yeah. have the player. We're going to call it future considerations. Um, you can keep them. There you go. That's the trade. Yeah. It's almost like you're just straight up loaning them. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. But yeah, um, the move kind of helped Charlotte out for sure. Uh, they need, I mean, yeah, they, they need a boost a little bit. <laughs> I think that they need to wake up a little bit more. We talked about this on our most recent episode 
Uh, you, you can always find that on iTunes and on canescountry.com. Um, and Podbean. But yeah, play. as well. Yeah, look at you plugging yeah. it. That's way better. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they kind of he kind of adds a little bit more. Um, Ten points in in fourteen games of Springfield, who's kind of surprisingly had the number on Charlotte a few times this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he adds uh, an element that Cliff Pooh didn't. Obviously, Cliff Pooh's demotion to the ECHL was was something that you know Volucci must have saw, and and he wasn't very happy with his play. Uh, I mean, he kind of floated in the bottom six there, didn't get much time, um, and it, there was just no shining moment or like a consistent streak that showed that he was going to be part of that team for a long time or to eventually graduate to the NHL. Um, I mean, you wish them all the best, but you know, it, it does look bad with the Skinner trade. And I think we're going to talk about that for a long time. Um, and you know, what could have been, I guess. Uh, but also, I mean, you just can't predict someone like that just falling completely off his, you know, his, his junior numbers very are, are very, very good. Yeah. And, and yes, there are occasionally prospects that don't pan out, but they at least put up decent AHL numbers. They may not put up your star NHL numbers, but they at least put up a decent AHL numbers. He was at like a 1.6% shooting like clip and he had one goal yeah. or it or was, or was something. I don't know. It was something like that. It was like one, he had one goal and like a six total points. Yeah. So yeah, it just, it, it really stunk. Um, they obviously found a hole in Charlotte's lineup and, and I think Yurko will be a very good addition for them. Yeah. Yurko is definitely going to be an impact for, for Charlotte. Um, very much an established top six AHL forward. Funny enough, I mean, he has NHL playoff experience too, yep. uh, which is yep. interesting. Um, obviously, he's on AHL deal, so he's going to stay in Charlotte until or if that ever changes. We'll see. Um, yeah, with Cliff Poo, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody really had lofty expectations for him, but he certainly didn't live up to the even the most conservative uh, expectations that were probably placed on him coming in to the AHL. Uh, it, it'll never be fair to him that he was uh, part of the Skinner deal. Uh, it, it, that's always what he's going to get associated with, at least uh, for the for for the foreseeable future, unless he can um, kind of go to Springfield, maybe get a change of scenery and do a little bit better, because. Uh, He's not a six points in 44 games AHL player. I mean, he's just not. He's not. He's better than that. Um, yeah. And so hopefully he'll go to Springfield and, and that'll help. But I, I, there's just not really a path in Carolina for him, I don't think. Um, it's just it, that's what happens when 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 you come in and you're you're on a really good AHL team and you're a rookie and you don't stand out right away you're going to get you're going to get pushed down the lineup and you're not going to get the same opportunities that a guy like Julian Gauthier or Yanni Kuokkinen or insert name of whoever uh, you're not going to get the same opportunities as them and uh, unfortunately he just couldn't take advantage of the few chances he got uh, he went down to Florida with the Everblades and played really well um, so hopefully that will be a confidence booster for him moving forward but let's let's talk about the deadline as a whole for the Hurricanes. Obviously, that trade was important for Charlotte, not so much for Carolina. But I think you got to look at this 
deadline where i mean no nhl moves were made by the hurricanes um i think you have to be pretty happy with the fact that they stand they stood pat they they're the they're the hottest team in the league they're 18 6 and 1 since december 31st uh they're playing some great hockey and i don't really think it's smart to to tamper with that and they didn't yeah no i think i think it was best to just stay put um i you know, there was probably some value out there for Furland, but again, it's the message you're sending in trading Furland is basically, hey, we don't believe you can do it in these final 20 games. We think you're not going to make it. We're going to go ahead and look towards next year. But I think that, you know, you didn't give up any assets, but you you kept your assets. And yeah, the own rental phrase is kind of overused, but... Being Furlan able is. to, I think for he is. he really is, yeah. Because, um, I mean, we all know his contract situation, and I think you know he's said multiple times he wants to be here. I hope they can get something done at a reasonable term. It's I for me, it's out. it's not so much the number, it's the term. Yeah, I, yeah. anything over three kind of makes me a little yeah. bit nervous. That's fair. Yeah, you you can't you can't go over four. It's just. It's got to make people a little bit uneasy because there's, you know, those those numbers when you start getting up there, especially with Furlan's style of play, it just is too much of a risk. Um, yes, we all know about how well his start was. He's played better as of late, but there was a big lull there. There was. Um, so, yeah, if if he's streaky, I would hate to go over three. Yeah, um, I think you're right with all of that. Really, if if so if you're going to trade Furlan at the deadline, if you're the Hurricanes, you have to replace him with someone. And I'm not sure that a replacement for Furlan was really out there. I mean, Wayne Simmons, but I mean, he has a, he has a no trade clause that he can dictate to an extent where he can go. He picked Nashville. Not a bad choice by him. And... It just doesn't make sense. It's it's exactly it's it's what like the you're right. The own rental phrase is said a lot, but this is exactly what Furland is. If if you're gonna trade him and you're gonna look for for assets out of him, you're gonna have to turn around and flip those assets for a player that can play, um, because you're not gonna be a seller at the deadline when you're in a playoff spot um, and you're playing the best hockey of anyone in the NHL. It, it just it doesn't make sense. It it was what. That would that would have been way overthinking it, and I think Waddell made a very fair point, an accurate one. There is chemistry in this group. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody would have expected this group of players to be where they are right now. I know that I certainly did didn't, and I know that you certainly didn't. Um, heading into the season, we didn't think this team was going to be a playoff team. Yeah, we I mean, we both team. said they did, they weren't going <laughs> to make the playoffs. Team. They're not that good. Yeah, and and on paper, yeah. on paper, they don't look good. Um, and, the top six looks better now with Nino in it, but and, it was yeah. not a a playoff worthy top six. So where they're pulling these goals from is beyond me. And I'm glad you brought up Nino because that was pretty much their big deadline deal, and the whole we've been waiting for this top four defenseman for a top six forward thing. And we talked about this. We've talked about it multiple times. They, they, they use Victor Rask as a top four defenseman and they got a top six forward. Uh, I, I don't know how Minnesota could have possibly thought that would be a beneficial trade for them. 
and it hasn't. Uh, Rask has two points in ten games, and he's injured again, which uh, which is isn't surprising because he's been injured a lot. He's had the shoulder thing, sweet potatoes, etc. And Niederreiter's come in, and he's been <laughs> like a perfect fit. And it's not even shocking because the second that deal was made, everyone knew how that one was going to go. Everyone knew how that one was going to go. The, the the results just haven't surprised anyone. I think maybe the the level of Niederreiter's production is pretty surprising because he has 15 points in his last 15 games. Uh, he's been an unbelievably perfect fit. Uh, the the front office very clearly did their homework on this player, both on the ice with what his game is and off the ice with his personality. He fits in perfectly with this group. So, yeah, that was that was pretty much their deadline deal, and there was really not a whole lot of reason to do anything else. There wasn't much of any, you know, desperation to to make another move that they didn't feel totally comfortable making. Uh, you know, they just they, they 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 were smart. Yeah, I think if they were playing poor hockey, you know, heading into the deadline, uh, it would have been, you know, Waddell would have been more inclined to make that move. But I yeah. think it's just they played so well and Nino meshed so well that there wasn't a complete urgency to overpay. Now I know going into it, I said, hey, it would be weird for them to keep their first. But I think even keeping that first, I disagreed with that. By the way. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> but I think keeping it first actually and not using it at the deadline kind of allows you to use it on the draft floor. Yeah. Um, going to be we're we're probably going to be rumored in a lot of trades with maybe oh, Toronto. Yeah. Oh yeah. One of their restricted agents, which I desperately hope is not Janssen and it's Kapanen instead. Um, I like Janssen too. You know whether Kapanen's whether a lot better, that, but yeah, yeah. Whether using that first, um, you know, might be better. I mean, let's say they make the playoffs. Their ceiling, maybe to me, is win around, right? Yeah, that's that's the best case scenario. At best, so, yeah. at best, you're get if you were to trade that pick, that's going to go anywhere from the teens to the early twenties. So it's not like you're giving up a huge value, um, but it's still enough to to acquire a solid player. So yeah, I think keeping that first and not and not overpaying would, would was something that they did they did well with. Um, if you were able to get a Duchesne or, um, you know, a Stone, then obviously use that first. But they they weren't even rumored in either of those. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I I think they were responsible with their move. Uh, Nino for Rask one for one is still highway robbery. Yeah, it, um, it, it'll never not be highway robbery. Yeah, I think. It, it makes up almost for the Skinner trade, I think you could say. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it almost does. Uh, you you got your top six forward, I guess. but um, it, was and you really, were able... it was a really roundabout way, but they, they got it. Yeah, and, and being able to – I mean, I know you took on additional salary, but it was more effective salary than what Rath paid. <laughs> Who so. cares about yeah, – yeah, exactly. it was like an extra million. Yeah, so it, that's a good for investment your... to literally yeah. just pay – an extra million for more goals. So, um, for a useful yeah, player. I, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I think they, they did a great job. They, they stayed the course and you know what? We have no idea how these 20 games are going to go. We could do a postseason podcast or we could do a end of season podcast. So we're we could not do sure. A postseason really. podcast or we could do a post 
season podcast. I see what you did there. You put the yeah. hyphen in it. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, obviously, what, where do you think their, their ceiling is and, and how do you think they're going to be in these final 20 games? So, like you said, 20 games left. Of their last 13 games, eight of them are against, are against Metropolitan Division teams, and I believe 12 of their final 20 are against playoff teams, and that's not including um, Pittsburgh, who they play in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is currently one point back of Carolina. So obviously the stretch run is going to be <laughs> – it's not the stretch run, it's the stress run, am I right? Because it's going to be really stressful down the – Stress or stretch. Anyway, so uh, in their last twenty, leading up to the deadline, they were thirteen six and one. If they if they go thirteen six and one again, they will finish with ninety nine points. That will that would put them in the playoffs. And are they going to go thirteen six and one? I I think that'd be tough. Uh, I mean, they play a lot of good teams between now and the end of the year. It, but they play they play Montreal, they play Pittsburgh, they play Columbus. They they play these teams that are right there with them. Those are huge swing games. They all there's so many big games. They could quite honestly, they could jump up as high as third in the metro. Um or, you know, they could hang around the first or second wild card spot. Or, I mean, if they lose games to Pittsburgh and Columbus and, like, they lose those key games, they're not going to make the playoffs. So, I think if, if they can win something like 12 or 13 of the final 20, I think they'll make it in. I think that, that's, that needs to be the bar. If they win 12, that's 24 points to go on top of their 72, I believe, right now. That's 96 points. If you can claw out some overtime points there you can get closer to 100 points and the closer you get to 100 the better off you are because of how absurdly competitive the eastern conference playoff race is right now with really you're competing with montreal you're competing with pittsburgh and you're competing with columbus and columbus just added like an entire roster of uh players at the deadline so and i think they've won they're two and zero since making the Duchesne trade, so I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, so really, it's it's Pittsburgh, Montreal, and Carolina competing for those two spots, and I I think I think they can do it. I think they can do it. Because look at I'll let you go in a second, but look what look yeah, what yeah. Pittsburgh did. I mean, Dumoulin got hurt, Chris Letang got hurt. They went out and got Eric Branson. And they got Chris Weidman. So I'm not necessarily super intimidated by the Penguins, but the thing with them is they can turn it on like that. And and we've seen that from them. So that's tough. But Montreal, I'm not overly intimidated by Montreal. Yeah, I'm not. See, this is the tough thing, though. So the four teams that are kind of circling around Carolina, just in the wild card spots, I mean, obviously being in it right now, but um, it's Pittsburgh, Montreal, and Buffalo. Let's not forget Buffalo at that 10-game win streak. They're not that far out, but just look at the records of those three teams around them. 4-5-1 for Montreal, 4-4-2 for Pittsburgh, 
and three five and two for Buffalo. The Canes are eight and two in their last ten. I think it really is about who's hot and who's not. Yeah. I I understand the projections and the numbers that you know what the likely bar is, but maybe you know they can just squeak in based on poor performances by the other teams around them. I mean, it may not have to be a a hit a certain number of wins. They could go maybe the bare minimum and hit, you know, like you said, you said 12, 13 with 13 being almost a guarantee. I mean, yeah, that, if they get 13 and they're probably going to finish with like 99, a hundred points. Yeah. So I think, you know, or even if some of those turn into overtime losses, I know you want to focus on your ROW heading down the stretch, but they have, they have both they, Montreal and Pittsburgh beat road. as of yeah. right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just based on the performances of other teams. I mean, Columbus, yeah, is like 73rd, Washington 77, 77 points. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They're still – I think the number – you said the number three spot. I think even the number two spot Washington. could be obtainable if they get on that high side and go or, 13 or 14 at wins. Or, I mean, obviously this hasn't happened yet, but are the Islanders going to – come back down to earth at some point because uh, i still I, I still don't know how good they actually are and and when the goaltending inevitably i mean i say inevitably i mean we're 60 some games in now yeah. but if the goaltending even falls off a little bit we're we're looking at new york differently I, I, the, the entire metro division is really up for grabs and what's going to be interesting down the stretch is I think New York's the New York Islanders are overachieving. I think the Penguins are underachieving. I think Washington is has underachieved to a degree at times. I think Montreal might be slightly overachieving. Um, and I think the Hurricanes are overachieving. So really this can this race is gonna change pretty frequently, like by the day down the stretch, because one losing streak from a team can can really change things and if really the hurricanes i don't even think kind of like you said i don't think you really have to focus too much on the other teams you just got to take care of your own business if you're the hurricanes because they control their own destiny from here which is which is un you know this is not familiar territory for this team even when they've been you know in the hunt um in february in years past they haven't been in the driver's seat to the extent that they are now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, they are in the driver's seat. And I think it's – don't tell me Justin Williams is not using the underdog excuse in most of his, like, post-game, Absolutely. you know, hype-up speeches. I mean, I'm, I'm sure when he's talking to them before and after games, he's using that. And, and it's like, they should. Uh, I, I envision, uh, like, Miracle on Ice. When Herb Brooks <laughs> is giving his speech. Again. Like, <laughs> Win. Yeah. Again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I just I think that they just meshed well. I you can't say that every member of this team is going to be on it next year, but I think it's just something about them is working very well. And but we do and, know for sure that Falk will be on this team next year, without a doubt. <sighs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ruin the. the, uh, the if I could ship him for Casper Capitan, I would. That I'd even f- throw in a second or third. I'd give you Falk in a second for Captain yeah. in a heartbeat. And I would pay for half a fog salary. How about that? Yeah, so... I don't know. Enough about Falk. Let's not talk about Falk. Let's talk about um, more trade deadline things. Uh, 
maybe maybe there was a par- parallel universe where Falk got traded at the deadline, but alas. So let's look at some of these other <laughs> on trades Earth too, right? <laughs> like in the comics on Earth yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Columbus acquired everyone in the league. Uh, good for them. I still don't think they're going to make it past the first round because it's Columbus. The maybe the funniest thing about all of this. So the Hurricanes shut out the Stars three to nothing, and Jordan Stahl's returned to the lineup. One of their better games in recent memory. They played really well against Dallas uh, because we were talking about it last week that they've been winning, but they haven't been playing very well. But I thought they played a good game against New York when they really got robbed of a win by Henrik Lundqvist last week. And with Jordan Stahl back in the lineup, I mean, Dallas had like three shots in the first period. It was very obvious that Jordan Stahl was back. And they played a really good game. So that's promising to see. But for Dallas, right after they get shut out by Carolina for the second time in a week, they go out, they can they trade a conditional second, a conditional third, um, those could both end up being firsts, but that seems unlikely now because Matt Zuccarello, uh, he's out for four weeks with a broken arm because yeah. he blocked his shot. And he scored, he had two points in the game. And it was just such a perfect yeah. fit for Dallas. And then, of course, that happens. And yeah, and then, and then, you know, some of the insiders were saying, oh, well, based on this, they're going to be in the hunt for some of the other guys, and they missed out on everybody. Think, so yeah. really, they're they're in the room with the same amount of guys, <laughs> like the same the guys. Thing, yeah, but the yeah. thing is that the West is so abysmal that they could probably go like three games under 500 here on out, and they'll probably still make the playoffs or something. The, the West is terrible. Like, it's yeah. awful. Yeah, like it's... Anaheim has lost like thirty-five consecutive games, and they're two points out. Like it's it's really ridiculous. Minnesota has been bad, and they traded Niederreiter for Rask, and they're in the playoff spot. They have like sixty points, and the Hurricanes have seventy-two, and they're clawing for for that final spot. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, like uh, like the Kings would be firmly in third in the Central and firmly in third in the Pacific. And yeah. have a like a five point advantage over the top wild card yeah. seed. So yeah, it's it's something. But one team that that didn't really not that I know of made a, a, a significant move, but they have been absolutely on fire is St. Louis. Yeah. Man, are we were I, I don't know if we were wrong about them. I think we predicted them as a playoff team. I but believe I midway, did. I don't remember what you did, but midway through the season, man, they were garbage and they they just have gone on this ridiculous streak almost like the canes i mean it's it's been really really fun to watch so with Um, with st louis it really didn't make sense why they were so bad because they they have a good team they really do do. and jared allen or is it jared allen that's the name of a defense oh jake 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 allen (laughs) you're Um, thinking of the minnesota vikings the minnesota vikings defensive lineman that is he played i believe that's retired yeah, he retired, yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, not Jared Allen. His brother, Jake Allen, was pretty bad <laughs> all year. And he's starting to be better now. Jordan Bennington has come up and has played lights out uh, in net for St. Louis. So now that they're getting competent goaltending, uh, they're pretty much the team that we all expected them to be because they're they're too good. They're they're just way too good, way too talented to, to not be a playoff team. And... I, 
I think we were kind of reaching a point where it was like, oh, okay, so this really, like, this is really gonna not happen for them. And then all of a sudden, they've they've really turned it around. Vladimir Tarasenko is on an unbelievable stretch. Um, <laughs> there is a there's an odd rumor that Carolina was sniffing around Tarasenko, and um, I think Tarasenko saw those rumors and was like, oh no, <laughs> we we got to get it together. We gotta <laughs> we gotta start playing well. Don't, don't ship me out. Don't ship me out. I I don't want to go to Florida. I don't want to go to Carolina. Winnipeg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So they turn it around. Uh, outside of that, Philly sold on Simmons. What what I hated about the the Simmons to Nashville trade was that Philadelphia got Ryan Hartman back, and Ryan Hartman is probably, in my opinion, probably just as much, if not more, of a pain in the ass as Wayne Simmons. So the Hurricanes have to deal with Ryan Hartman. Um, I I don't like Ryan Hartman at all. I like Wayne Simmons more than I like Ryan Hartman, and Ryan Hartman's just going to be just a pain to to deal with for the Hurricanes, but. Um, he's also not very good, so you can take, you know, some some good things from that. Uh, a big one for one deal was Granlin to Nashville for Kevin Fiala. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. For me, that that I I consider if you were making a winner and loser of the deadline, I I consider Nashville a really big winner. Ah, uh, yeah. I like they they didn't give up. To get two pieces that could really put them over the somewhat interesting West. Yeah. I mean, it's it's bad, and and I think if Winnipeg, if Patrick Line was playing out of his mind like he did in the past he's, two what two years, he, he's yeah. been playing better lately, Line. And they also got Kevin Hayes uh, from New York for a one and uh, Brendan Lemieux, I think, and another conditional pick of some sort, but. Winnipeg got a little bit better. Nashville got a lot better, I think. Uh, let's talk about Ottawa uh, before before we talk about other things. So, I think the trade deadline day was pretty much just waiting for Mark Stone to get traded, right? And yeah. it it just it, <laughs> I remember I was watching uh, TSN Trade Center, and it was like 2.30 Eastern. It was like, all right, we're, when's this thing happening? And then, bam, it happened. So Stone and Tobias Lindbergh go to Vegas for Brandstrom, who is having a great rookie year, uh, Oscar Lindbergh. So they, they swapped Lindberghs pretty much, which is good for them, and a 2020 second. So Brandstrom's a really good defensive prospect. Uh, when he was coming up, he got comparisons to Eric Carlson, which I mean, we'll see. That's those are pretty lofty or uh, comparisons, but you know he's a very high end defensive prospect, one of the best in the league. And but outside of that, a, a second next year in Lindbergh for Stone, I kind it kind of felt like they could have and should have gotten more. Like I don't know how they didn't get a first round pick for. Mark Stone. See, this is where I think we disagree. Okay. I think we're going to disagree. I think Ottawa had a is is best as they could have of a of a trade deadline. All right, let's be honest. We all know the you know ownership situation there with Melnick and all that stuff. Stone, Duchesne, we're we're not going to resign. You I know, know yeah, and, like so. I do. I think that. 
the, the that the senators got as much as they could. I do think that. I do think that what the market was, I think that they got as much as they could. I think they could have managed the assets better, though. I think they could have come to a decision on Mark Stone earlier in the year and and gotten a bigger return. Um, I that that's I, I because I know where I know what you're saying. Uh, I think the market dictated that return and. And in that prism, then yes, I think that they did well. I just think that just value for value, I think it, the stone trade in particular, not even talking about the other ones, um, I think Vegas could have done better. But at the same time, like those guys were gone. They they had very little leverage there because, I mean, you're either you're trading them now or you're losing them for nothing. Yeah, the clamoring about Stone not getting a first was was such a big deal by like so many in, like insiders and just commentators and all that stuff. For me, like you have to look at what they sold between the three players: Stone, Duchesne, and Dzingel. They got a lot of picks. Man. Yeah, they got a lot of picks, and They're so drafting if you look at it over the next like decade, they, yeah, they have five picks in the top sixty over the next three drafts that are aren't weren't originally additional, their picks yeah. yeah additional and they also move into the first round for this year say columbus doesn't go far they don't go that far it's gonna be a, a mid first and they weren't even in the first because of the original duchene trade oh, yeah. so you know i think they did all they could and I think the the big selling point was we know how good Stone is, and instantly he joins Vegas and becomes their best player. He's their top point getter already, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure he'll make an impact down the stretch, which they're probably going to cruise into third place heading down the stretch. If they and even he's play five an extension. Yeah, yeah and, and, the the, nine and, half and mil. exactly, you get one of the top free agents on the market without having to to mess around. Yeah, you know it, what I mean. It makes so, a lot of sense for Vegas too. Yeah, it it does. And I think the crazy thing about Vegas is we a lot of people maybe thought they were going to drop down from earth big time after after their inaugural season. And yeah, I mean it's kind of hard not to drop I mean, they from going to the yet. Stanley Cup final. Yeah. But they're they're a solid playoff team and I think they do have some solid prospects in the thing. But yeah, in this Cody stone Glass. trade in my opinion you give up. So you, you got rid of Nick Suzuki. Keeping on a Cody Glass is big. Yeah. But I think Losing Brandstrom hurts Vegas too. So it's it's kind of like you accept the now, you keep rolling with this team and and go ahead and go into buy mode and then worry about you know the actual drafting and rebuilding, you know, four or five years down the road when maybe you're not making the playoffs. I, I think they might as well go farther in for it because they they made it last year with a ragtag group. Yeah. They're they're okay and and they're they're division is you know weak ish i mean the only team that you really have to worry about is san jose i i don't know i really i really like this these trade the trade for you know stone yeah. um but brand brandstrom i think gives ottawa a legit prospect like a not blue a, chip prospect. yeah not a wild card not a promise He's meaning really like a first round pick He's really good, and yeah. I think with him and Shabbat, that could be a real Those deadly two really pairing. Good and Brady two years been good, and yeah, like Ottawa, like it isn't a dead end because 
I no, mean, it's Drake not. Batherson's been great. Alex Formanton yep. for London. The Colin OHL White. Great. Colin, Colin White. White. Logan Brown. Yeah. Like there's so there's so many there's so many guys. And for Vegas, the funny thing is they they still have so many draft picks. Like they still have their own first round pick this year. So it's not like like Vegas isn't like I think Vegas will be fine. Like Vegas will yeah. have a, a good playoff run. I mean they're they they were better than Columbus in my opinion, and Columbus really just lost their mind and and just went totally all in. Um, and I still think Vegas is better than Columbus, and Vegas has their picks. Like yeah, and even the pick they traded for Mark Stone, um, that was Dallas's twenty twenty pick. So I mean yeah. they. They they lose Brandstrom, which hurts because I think Brandstrom's going to be really good. But Mark Stone's one of the best players in the league. Yeah, and I and I think that they buying into this win now mode with a relatively young core because I mean the only dinosaur on the team is Mark Andre Fleury, so you're going to eventually have to to make a move <laughs> yeah. for a goaltender when when his time's up. But he's going to probably retire in Vegas for sure. Um, but it kind of allows you know your prospect like Glass. And then, you know, those other first round selections and stuff like that to, to kind of develop and mature a little bit while not having to thrust them into the lineup right away. So I don't know. I, it gives them, you know, a year or two in the, in the AHL and then, mm-hmm. you know, you can bump them up. So I, I, I think that I, I really like the way they have built this team oh, and in the direction drafted, they're taking just two years. Yeah, in. You know? like, like they, they've drafted really well, too. Like Branstrom was, what, 14th overall uh, Cody Glass looks really good. <laughs> Suzuki looks really was like good. 13, and and yeah. um, I mean he's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. I mean, well, he's gonna be good for Montreal now, but um, Suzuki was who I wanted when Jake. Yeah, wait, Jake Bean I think went 13th, and Suzuki went 12th, mm, and and he was I think he Bean was, was the Bean prospect was, I was really wanted at the time. You, you mean Natchez? No, 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 no. I'm talking about Bean. He was in the he was in the no Suzuki. I thought. Nick Suzuki? Yeah, he was 2017. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe You are wrong. <laughs> is Ryan Suzuki in this year's draft, Ryan right? Ryan Suzuki is in this year's draft, yeah. And Nick Suzuki was in the 2017 draft. All right. That was Martin Natchez. That was Martin Natchez. Okay, so and that's Jake who... Bean and Julian Goche were 2016. Correct. Because Bean okay, was drafted so... one pick before Charlie McAvoy, which... Uh, many people don't like, but I think Bean's gonna be good too. Well, who was who was picked before before Bean or who was picked before Bean? Bean was in the Tyson Yost, Logan Brown. Um, That's not a bad draft. Yeah, it, it was it was a it was a decent draft. I remember uh, Kiefer Bellows. I, I mean, this was the Austin Matthews draft. So yeah. you got you got Matthew Kachuk, Clayton Keller, Alex Nylander, Sergeyev, oh, Joe's. I know the player I wanted, Michael McLeod. That's Michael who McLeod. it was. Yeah, he was the one I wanted. I thought he was going to be a good center. I mean, he's not. He got picked one pick before Jake. Yeah, King. and then one after Logan Brown. So yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. That yes. was, I I think the verdict is still. I mean, obviously the the top half there, one, two, and three. And that draft is kind of pretty much set, but I think the verdict is out on some of the other players. I mean, Kachuk is is really good, Kachuk but is like, great, yeah, I think this is that was a draft you, you kind of have to be patient with. But there, it's a pretty solid draft. Oh, you got Matthews, of course. You have Line A. Pierre Luc Dubois is 
going to be a one seed in the Columbus, NHL for a long yeah. time. Keller is, uh, we'll see. He's in a weird situation. He is. Um, That's the problem. He's in Edmonton where careers go to die. <laughs> uh, Matthew Kachuk, Clayton Keller, yeah, Alex Nylander Sergeyev. looks not great. Sergeyev is really good. Yeah, so good uh, it's not... It's not a bad draft, yeah. I remember, um, I remember everybody everybody skipped on Debrincat because he was small, and then he went in the second round, and that was yeah. Just so dumb. Now, I I just don't get NHL scouts, you know, their their perspective, and I'm sure Ottawa's going to skip on some small guy that's actually going to be dynamic with all these picks sure. they acquired from Columbus. So, for sure. Um, but okay, so shifting gears, we kind of talked about Columbus slash Nashville. You know, in kind of Winnipeg being kind of the the winners. What are the the big losers of the deadline for you? Because I have I have a few. I think the Penguins are one of them, um, because they they lost important players to injury, and I don't think they did anything um, to really, you know, help themselves because. What what the hell is Eric Branson going to do for for the Penguins? What's Chris Weidman going to do for the Penguins? They're going to do nothing because they're not even NHL quality players. So you, they got worse, debatably, or maybe not even debatably. They they just pretty much got worse. Um, I think Ottawa did well, like you said. Uh, who who did bad? Um, I think Anaheim could have done more. Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that trade at all for Montour. Montour for Gouli no in the one. I didn't like that either. I, I think. I think I, Montour is better um, than he has been maybe at times this year. But Gouli in a one for Montour is, is. It was kind of out of nowhere. I. I didn't like that. Huh. And yeah, I. I yeah. For for me, I think. When you're that far out of the playoffs, which is what now six points to a wild card yeah, spot, they've been and really you're falling back, and you're in, you're in the toughest division in probably all of hockey right now. I would say, yeah, toughest division in all yeah, hockey. Yeah, sure. Um, it's just hard to to buy a player. I mean, I believe, yeah, he does have term, right, Montour? Yeah, he does. I think he does. He has another year or two. I I'm not sure what the conditions to the first are, but it it, it I think it depends on what. It drops to a second. If not, that still no, seems no, no, no. That, I think the condition on the pick is they get to choose between because they have three picks this year. They have their own. They have St. Louis's. They have um, Calgary's. They they have three picks, and I think they get to choose. Like it's definitely not the Buffalo pick, but they get Anaheim gets to choose which of the other two picks it is. So it's either St. Louis's or um, let me look it up. Uh, duh, duh, duh. This is good podcasting. Teams, Buffalo, um, Buffalo. It was okay. So, it, <laughs> so they had they had San Jose. They have their own, and they had St. Louis. So they traded that pick for Montour, and I believe that Anaheim can pick which of San Jose's or St. Louis's. So pretty much whichever picks better. Wow. So. Yeah, it's just to me, it's just ugh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I, I guess if you're Mont- if you're Montreal, if you're if you're Pittsburgh, if you're Carolina, if you're any of those three, okay, maybe a buying into if you have a defensive hole, 
Montour makes sense. But it doesn't make sense for a team that's probably not going to make it unless they go on one of those ridiculous 10-win runs like they did earlier in the year. Yeah, I mean, it, what's, what's, what makes it better is that he's under term, and, and we know how much um, NHL GMs put value in weird places. So, like, a right-handed defenseman is so much more valuable exactly. than a left-handed defenseman. It, it's just kind of weird. A and, grinding forward <laughs> is somehow very – somebody that can hit and is tough. Yeah. 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 It's, they get a first in the league. Yeah, and <laughs> outside of that – I mean, Anaheim signed uh, Jacob Silverberg to like a five-year, five point two five million AAV deal. I like Silverberg. I don't like him I that don't, much. I like him, but I don't understand why he'd want to stay in Anaheim, knowing that there's going to be a rebuild. I, I mean, well, I, maybe they're that's part of it. Maybe they really like him and they overpaid for him a little bit to keep him around, um, and maybe he was demanding that kind of money, but. I don't think he's worth that much. And it, you you look at Tara Vinen's deal. I mean, that makes Tara Vinen's deal look like even more of a bargain than it already was. Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the ce- I think the ceiling is higher on, on Tara Vinen than oh, Silverberg. Oh, for sure. And, and, and Silverberg is a lot older, too. I mean, he's, he's like going to be Three or four years, right? Yeah. He's going to be a UFA yeah. at the end of the year. So, yeah, yeah um, I mean... I don't know. I'm sure he could have got higher higher market value as well as playing on a more competitive team. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Um, it God, it's just but it's, it's, I it's, think it's weird. The, uh, the big loser, Pittsburgh for sure, there's a statistic. Well, just common sense if you do the math. Um, <laughs> Jake Johnson – or sorry, Jake Johnson. Jack Johnson, excuse me. How dare and Erica you. Branson, and Erica Branson will be paid more – then the Leafs are going to pay William Nylander next year. See, that's ridiculous. See, like, what is Jim Rutherford doing? What is that? How? <laughs> I get it. So, so you get some injuries at the deadline, and this is what he always does. He always does this at the deadline. There's always an injury, and he always freaks out and loses his mind and trades for someone who is supposed to fill that hole. Um, but I let me tell you, and you can you can cut this. You can just. You <laughs> no, can, you can let me forever. tell you. Go ahead. Erica Go Branson ahead. is terrible. Erica Branson is a terrible, terrible hockey player, and I don't know what they're expecting out of him because not only do they have Jack Johnson in unbelievably under contract long term, um, and he's terrible as well. Um, they have Good Branson now too. So, <laughs> what the hell are they doing? Like Pittsburgh's future is so screwed once this really really great era of hockey ends so i mean jim rutherford is just clawing and scratching for them to stay in the playoffs and he did the exact same thing in carolina and we all know how that one ended up so yeah so my friend is he's been a penguins fan for a long time uh his family just pittsburgh based you know they all the all the teams Pirates, steelers all that stuff Mm -hmm. but he you know he keeps up with basketball a little bit more and, and he's not that much into hockey but he keeps up with it for the most part but every every time they make a move he kind of like either will send me like a dm or or a message or something like that and be like hey what do you you know what do you think and and stuff like that and i feel like i've been doing this for years now we're just saying look man it looks good now it's not gonna look good later even since shiro i mean it was it was the the trade earlier in the year it was sprung for peterson 
what was that? Yeah. That didn't make any sense I either. No idea. I have no idea. Yeah, it just it really doesn't make any sense. They're mortgaging their future, yeah. and and I I don't get it. Like you're not going to be good outside. Of, I understand buying in. You could maybe, if you're lucky, squeeze one more cup out of Crosby and Malkin. I think one more. Yeah. If that, because I think the, they the can East get just one. keeps getting younger and better. Like they need a you know better supporting like cast it, if they're going to to get one though. And yeah, and, exactly. And the thing with these moves are like that's not setting up a good supporting cast. Like that's not yeah. at all what Rutherford's doing. Not at all. Not at all. And I mean, you saw uh, something that resurfaced was was Kyle, our dear friends, uh, yes. you know, article on 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 looking back at the Rutherford era era. And I I mean, I just looked read through it last night again, and I was just like, yeah, man, I forgot about all these. No wonder we've sucked for so long. And that's that's what he's doing <laughs> in Pittsburgh. And and yeah. really, like when when he was hired by Pittsburgh a few years ago. Um, I thought everyone was like, all right, yeah, this makes sense. Because Rutherford, for as much as he mortgages the future, he is very good at squeezing as much uh, out of a team as possible. That's, you know, like if he has a playoff team and they're like right there, like he can make them a cup winner. We've seen that. Um, I mean, he's a master at trading first round picks for, at, for players that help for a playoff run. That's what he does. And um, I mean, he... <laughs> He he's doing the same thing in 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 Pittsburgh now. I mean he's he's risking a lot of of that team's future um, in order to get the most out of Crosby and Malkin as possible. And and that's something I I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I don't think that he's even doing that. Like I don't even think he's getting the most out of Crosby and Malkin because I mean these trades don't even make sense for them now. Like forget about long term. Like it doesn't even make sense for him now. Yeah, yeah, it it really doesn't. There's nothing about Erica Branson. I mean, this could come back to to bite me. And Pittsburgh no, it won't. makes it. And they knock, it will not. And they and they knocked they knocked the Canes out. You know, Canes losing that might, that game eighty two. That might happen. Um, yeah, I I'm just saying, there's nothing about them that really scares me with these additions. And that's the you thing. know, like, they like like yeah, like I think you always expect Pittsburgh to kind of like pull out like a big finish in the end um exactly but i don't know like for for like i know how good they can be like they ha- there's they have crosby they have malcolm they have kessel they have Latang. hopefully he's or hopefully for them he's helpful healthy gensel's great uh all that but i mean man that that team gets bad quick after that or after those stars and you know i I'm not super intimidated by them. I mean, the Canes went to Pittsburgh and beat them for nothing, dominated them uh, about a month ago. And Buffalo doesn't scare me. Montreal doesn't scare me. Columbus scares me a little after all the deals they made, but it's Columbus. So, so touching off. So, so, yeah, you mentioned Columbus. So touching off that with those additions, you truly think they're not going to make it past the first round. So, Let's let's say they they do. They might. They might. They might. But let's say, what is their plan after this season? I think that's the big thing. What what do you think their plan is? Because, you know, we've heard the rumors about Panarin and Bobrovsky. So, what does their future look like in in the the next two to three years? I'd say. That's tough. 
Um, because I mean, they yeah. got the young talent on the on the back end. Warinsky and and that Jones defense are is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The defense is there, but you take away your starting goalie. I mean, it's tough to bounce back from that. Corpus Salo's okay. I, I'm still not 100 percent, you know, sold. I'm not very He's high a, on him either. Yeah, like I I was originally, but I think this year has kind of proved that I'm just I don't know. There's just something yeah. about him. I don't, it doesn't say you know, a starting number one guy for you. Um, so that's a gaping hole. And then obviously one of your better, if not your best team in Panarin out. Yeah. I mean, it just, I don't know what their plan is because if they walk, how do you convince Duchesne to stay? I don't know. Yeah. I think that's tough. Um, and, and you also hurt, um, Pierre look Dubois kind of, you know, rise a little bit because he was first line, and then as soon as Duchesne was traded there in his first game, they bumped Dubois to the second yeah. line, and Duchesne went to line one. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I have no idea what Kekalin is doing. Like, I understand you kind of have to go for it, but like, but he's really going for it. <laughs> he must like, yeah, like I, going into this deadline before they got that was anybody truly scared of Columbus? I don't think so. Probably I think not, you were no. looking at Tampa. You were probably maybe look at Boston because Boston just always finds a way. Toronto. Um, maybe Toronto. Yeah. And, 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 and like, that's, that's about it. But there's nothing before that, that really scared me. And I'm not so sure it does really now. I think they will be a playoff team. I think this gets you over the hump. It's going to get you into the playoffs. But it's just what what happens when you get bounced? I don't know. I mean, it, what if Duchesne leaves and Panarin leaves and Bobrovsky leaves and Dezingle leaves? Yeah. Like, what if they all leave? Yeah. Like, that's that's not yeah. totally out of the realm of possibility because it looks like Panarin and Bobrovsky are both 100% leaving. And... I think I think I think Duchesne might sign there, but I also think that Nashville would be more than willing to pay him a lot of money to go to Nashville. And Matt Duchesne has investments in Nashville, and he loves country music, and he loves Nashville. So I think that could also be a thing. Dezingle, you never know. Like Dezingle, who knows? Maybe he might sign Carolina. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I mean he he's a pretty good goal scorer yeah. um and i mean a 40 to 60 points guy kind of yeah. um i i don't see them being able to keep all the that big four technically oh yeah Duchesne, they're not, yeah they're not gonna keep all oski and panarin i think three of those walk it's just a matter of who i yeah i, I think yeah. like i could see them getting the to extend or even Duchesne maybe, but, but if Duchesne extends, not only are you losing the 2019 first, that 2020 first is also going to Ottawa. If, if Duchesne extends, um, yeah. And it looks like Panarin and Bobrovsky are both gone. So yeah, I mean, yeah, all, and they basically don't have to show up for, for day one and part of day two, uh, for the next two drafts because they're both their first their and both their seconds are gone. <laughs> yeah. So, it's just it's it's really weird. It I just didn't get it. I there, like I like if you're Tampa, you know, and you're able to add Duchesne. Okay, yeah, let's write you down as Cup favorites right now. We'll start etching it. But like, there's just nothing about that that tells me that this move is going to be worth it in the end. 
I totally agree. Um, yeah. Man, we, we, we really we talked some hockey today, didn't we? Um, we did. We did. So before we go, though, um, let's put let's put each other on the spot. So, all right. Today is February twenty sixth. Um, spoiler alert: This will be going up on the twenty seventh. That means that we don't know if the Canes beat the Kings. Uh, if they win, then good. They should have. If not, uh, what the hell? So <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. Damn it! Yeah. Oh, oh, we will. If they lost, we will. Uh, no, we might. I don't know. Um, so the Carolina Hurricanes are in a playoff spot right now. They have a game in hand on Montreal, who lost last night. Uh, they're one point behind Montreal for the first wild card spot. They're behind Columbus for the third Metro. Um, Pittsburgh is right behind them. Um, are the Carolina Hurricanes going to make the playoffs? Yes or no? Uh, wait, first, before that, I just want to mention one quick thing, and then I'll give you the answer. No. That Montreal collapse against Toronto was an all-time collapse that I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, since Toronto collapsed against Boston in Game 7, what, in 2013? Yeah. It was 3 nothing. They were destroying them, and they lost 6-3. Like, it was just wild. But anyways, all right. So getting back to the topic. <laughs> um, Brett, oh, man. I will say making the playoffs, and I will say it is the first wild card spot. Huh. There you go. I see. All right. Now it's for you to answer the question of will they make the playoffs? Oh, man. I'm... Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I'll say yes. Because his. I'll, I'll... No, I. I say yes, and I think they're going to make it as the second wild card spot. Huh? Is it going to be a win in their end situation? Because I mean, it might go down to the wire here. No, I think that they're going to have it wrapped up by game eighty-two. That they will be in the playoff spot. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't that be? Nice? Wouldn't that be nice that to go be, into like game eighty? Like game eighty, and you're like looking, you're doing all the math, and you're like, and you're even like, if they lose the next two, they're <laughs> gonna be okay yeah man i would i would really love that if it's gonna happen i'm not sure but it would it, just to go into game 81 and 82 and be like oh we're good yeah that would be the dream but yeah yeah we'll um, see but that seems to be a podcast yeah i think that's a podcast um man we talked a lot of hockey today Whew. i'm sweating over here all this hockey talk um <laughs> thank you for listening to the king's country podcast um we appreciate all of you. Um, definitely go rate, uh, re- leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, uh, Kane's Country, everywhere. Um, tell everyone you know about the podcast. I'm not going to spend 30 minutes telling you who to tell about it, but if you want to hear me tell you who to tell about the podcast, go listen to uh, the last episode at the end. So my name is Brett Finger. You can follow me <laughs> at twi- on Twitter at Brett underscore Finger. You can follow Kane's Country on Twitter at Kane's Country. Um, Instagram at Kane's Country Picks P-I-X go read the things on the site Justin where can they find you on Twitter they can find me on Brett Finger which I bought off Twitter after they realized you were 13 That's, years uh, old you know what um, no <laughs> <laughs> they can find me at Lakey Life and of course at Kane's Country at Kane's Country Picks um, yeah I mean that's a that's a wrap that's a wrap have a have a have a good week Enjoy the hockey. If they they better be LA. They better.
They <laughs> I can't wait they, to they... listen to this on, on Wednesday and see how it, how it went. They better. All right. Bye. Bye.